On today's episode for the Locked On Texans Friday podcast, we get into the YouTube comments. Of course, you guys have been being very chatty. Got to discuss what's going on. And Brandon K. Scott of Sports Talk 16 Radio joins the show. But first. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, Locked On Texans fans, to another episode of the Locked On Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This podcast is brought to you by OnlineGambling.com, the place to be for all of the latest gambling news, tips throughout the NFL playoffs. Visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL to get the edge over the competition throughout this year's playoffs. You guys know me. I'm John Hickman. Of course, I'm joined by none other than Cody Davis. And you don't see the yellow in the back like it usually would be. <laughs> I kind of miss it, man. I can't right? lie. The yellow will bring out, you know, the pop. It'll pop. But I'm I'm upstairs now trying to officially, in my new home, put a studio together. And mm. this is phase one of getting things together. But it's Friday. I'm super excited for today's episode. Of course, we will be joined by Brandon K. Scott later in the show. And a very busy week for the Houston Texans. And so it's been a very busy week here at the Locked On Texans podcast. But we cannot go throughout this week without hopping in those comments. Cody, let's go ahead and do that. Mm. His name is Han Fast Fast Life. If I mispronounce that, excuse me, H-A-N-F-A-S-T-O-L-F-E. In the comments, he mentioned on the... Texans show on whether or not the Texans should bring back who the Texans should bring back in free agency. Uh, this was a very good comment that I liked from him. He said, Texas have 19 picks over the next two drafts as of right now, of course. Mm-hmm. I think they moved Tunsil for picks and hopefully unload Watson for multiple picks. Most of these cap issues will be gone by 2023. I agree. And the team will be infused with young talent and getting younger and younger over the next two seasons. Kishin. <clears throat> Christian can't play, so I'd like to see him back. If Casario can move back a few spots, I'd love to see them take the 6'6", 340-pound deep tackle Jordan Davis out of Georgia. By the way, I, I listen, I love him. And he made a very good point. He has long arms. He's a freakish, has freakish size and a sick run stuffer in the mold of Vince Wilford, but larger. And that's what mm. I do love. He does have a more of a 2020 updated uh, a form of Vince Wilford play. The Texans stop at the run, improve the secondary and pass rush instantly becomes, uh, gets better as well because you dictate the game. He's such a gifted athlete that he could play the three technique at his size. He's very active and light, of, light on his feet inside, push destroys pass protection. And, you know, I, I don't know. Here's my thing about that number three pick, Cody. I think that if one of those edge rushers, Thibodeau or Hutchinson, is not available at number three, I foresee Houston moving back, trading that number three spot, using that number three spot to go ahead and take an interior offensive lineman or mm-hmm. uh, whoever is going to be the next best available person at the time of their pick, player at the time of their pick. And then, of course, we know if they trade that number three spot, that they will get multiple picks in return. So I believe that Houston will be very pick heavy this upcoming offseason 
we are we, uh, we're already foreshadowing Deshaun Watson will be gone. Laramie Tunsil should be traded before free agency even gets here. That will allow Houston to kind of scour the market in free agency and then get those picks back ahead of the draft. So I agree with that. And if Jordan Davis, I, I wonder how high he is on the Texans list. That'll be something that I'd be very interested in. But he would be he would be a very good player here on this roster. My only concern and I would refute that by saying they just drafted Roy Lopez. Uh-huh. And Roy Lopez had proved to be very good as a six-rounder uh, this past season. And so I think that they will conflict considering of the 4-3 defense that they play right now. Now, Brian Flores or somebody else comes in, they may switch the scheme. I don't think they should because they already put a lot of players in place to succeed in a 4-3 defense compared to a 3-4. So – uh, that's my take on that. But would you like to see Houston kind of just go ahead and take that number three pick, trade back, and then you know look around for different options? Only if – I'm looking at this from a standpoint, and, John, listeners' views, you know me, and for the guys, in, for, for the guys who don't, I've been very hell-bent on the Texans improving their secondary through the draft. But what I would say to – what I would say to that point is – it only depends what's your primary what's, what's your primary players that you're going after. If you think they're going to be there, let's say around 6th, 7th, or 8th, and I do believe that's where they're probably a trade down, then, yes, you go ahead and do it. And like I mentioned a couple of days ago, this is the draft where it makes sense for you to trade that number three pick. Because, look, outside of Thibodeau and Hutchinson, I really do not see a generational talent as of yet. And I think using the term generational talent can be deba- can be debatable for both of those guys. So, in a situation where, and, and plus, the biggest thing of all, this is a Houston Texans team that has a lot of holes to fill all across the board. So if you move down from that number three pick, let's say you get the seven pick and I don't know, whatever else you can gather probably in the second round or whatever the case might be, then I would say go ahead on and do it. Because like I mentioned, this isn't a draft where you say you got to pick that guy or you have to select that that person. It, it, th- this is a very good draft opportunity for the Texans because like Nick Casario likes to do, he likes to have options open. Yeah, here's another funny one. Travis Weatherspoon. Uh, on on the YouTube comments page, he said, "I need to work on myself." Right? He's admitting before he actually <laughs> goes into his statement, "I need to work on myself as a person." With that being said, I was very very happy to see JJ and the Cardinals get blowed out. <laughs> so, he, I, the, the disclaimer at the beginning: Hey, I'm not perfect, man. I need to work on myself. But <clears throat> the Cardinals got that ass beat, and it made me made me happy. And we talked about that early in the week. I mean, hey, Texas fans, listen, let's be honest. It it does feel good. Everybody was laughing at our expense over the last couple of days. I mean, over the last couple of seasons. You let go of D-Hop. JJ went there. The video of we wasted one of your good years. Players mm-hmm. bad. By the way, why is everybody mad about Charles Minnie who's saying what he said? No, he said the same thing. Everybody has been saying, saying, you know, Whitney Merciless said it, uh, Randall Cobb has said it. Like every time a play, hell, JJ Watt said it, and I was on the on the Zoom call for that one. Like everybody says, how much the Houston Texans are like this distraction. And one thing I always pull out, they're always talking about people. They always think that they have power in the organization that they should not have power, and they're always talking about the struggle that's going on between the coaching staff. And, and, and the general manager and the 
football operations guy, but we're not here to talk about one individual person. But, John, this is why I say what I said on yesterday to where unless it's Brian Flores, I do not see this organization moving forward. And I only say that because, and yes, I know I'm, I'm speaking hypothetically and nobody is telling me this, but I think that's the only way the Texans can actually move forward with this organization is get a coach that Nick Casario and whoever the, and whoever else making these these decisions, they're going to have to get a coach that they can trust and, trust and actually go out there and be the end-all, be-all head coach for the team because – Charles Aminu, who is just the latest guy talking about this conflict that is going on between ownership, um, football operations, and, of course, the coaching staff. And all that does is trickle down to the players. I just don't understand why people are using Charles Aminu as a punching bag. He's been said he said the same thing Whitney Merciless said, uh, the same thing that Randall Cobb has said. Multiple players have said uh, very, things that are very similar to what Charles Aminu said. It's just that. I think Charles Omenahu was a player that people and fans may have expected more out of, and he fell short of that. But maybe it's because of what he said. Maybe it was because of this function, why I didn't see the field or uh, issues up top that trickled down, as you just mentioned, to the to the players here on the, on the, on the Texas roster. So uh, stop using him as a puncher bag. You guys mm. have said it as well. So now that he's saying it, why is this such a big deal? Mr. Robot mentioned on uh, the YouTube a couple of days ago, once Mills showed you flashes of potential, you should have shut down all the pretending he isn't our starter and completely backed him. That's a mistake to treat him any other way. Should mm-hmm. he become way more important after next season? So uh, we talked about that a couple of days ago as well. I 100% agree. We just saw Howie Roseman come out and back Jalen Hurts after he had – I think a terrible off uh, a playoff game, right? And he said Jalen Hurts will be our starter. Now, whether or not that will remain true come next week, come next year, week one, he said it now, and I, I respect that. I think that's something Nick Casario should have did as well. Yeah, and I one hundred percent agree with you, John. And look, I get it. Uh, the only thing that would make sense to reason why. Nick Casario did not come out and say that Davis Mills is by far the starting quarterback for 2022 is what I've been saying for a week now. He is a general manager who likes to keep his options open. But once again, as we talked about the other day, Davis Mills is the perfect quarterback for the Houston Texans because, look, you're not about to go out there and get one of the all pros, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Hell, you're on the verge of losing one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And when you take a look at other quarterbacks who could be on the move, like a Teddy Bridgewater, hell, Baker Mayfield, I think we can make an argument that Davis Mills, as of right now, from what we saw this season, especially through those last five games, he is the better quarterback. So why go from, let's say, a solid quarterback to a quarterback that might be a a, a knock under Mills right now? So I didn't like the fact that Nick Casario did that, but, you know, maybe that's just him trying to play his cards right. I I can't wait to see what Brandon K. Scott has to say about that situation as well because, you know, uh, being very noncommittal on Davis Mills, I think maybe – will hurt his offseason. Not 100% sure, but backing him was the best way to go. New year, new me, and that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bill Bar in your plan. Bill Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Bill Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good, you want to eat it. Unlike those other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. 
Bill Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, real chocolate at that. And most Bill Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually carries around 240 calories, 330 grams of sugar, excuse me, and dozens of, an, of those net carbs. Go to build.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Welcome back, listeners and viewers of the Locked On Texans podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are free and available on all major platforms. And thank you for making us your first listen of the day, as promised. Been a couple of weeks, but we do have Brandon K. Scott back to talk the Houston Texans. And before I even give you the floor, am I seeing that correctly? Is that a throwback letterman with the rocket? What the? Hey, hey, man. Is that right? Hey, look, if y'all get to the Toyota Center, y'all got to check these out. I was at a game one day. I'm, mind you, I'm there covering a game for Sports Radio 610. And I just happened to see these. I wish I had the hoodie with me because this is actually so. So they're city editions, the Rocket City editions this year. I need year. those jerseys too, man. Oh, I need yeah. those. But but notice how they're doing a combination of both the old logos. Mm-hmm. Like they're doing the more astronaut thing that they did in the late 90s. But along with what you're seeing right here is the old school Letterman uh, logo. That's what they're putting in the middle of the floor. So so this is a promotional item so of their. This is a promotional item of their uh, what you call city editions, which they're repping. And then on the back, let me see if y'all can see on the back. I'm gonna take my headphones out real quick, so I'm gonna see if I see on the back. And while he's switching it up, y'all have to go check out the Locked On Rockets podcast. They're doing amazing work. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. That's yeah, amazing. So, Make sure you check out the Lockdown yeah. Rockets too, man. That's amazing, man. I, I need to get one of those. Yeah, I, so I got this one, and then there's a uh, there's a hoodie also that just goes Houston across, but in in this uh you know in this font, this old school font, and it's got the if you look real closely at it, it's got the skyline in it. So I spent some good money that night at the Toyota Center because I was like, man, these bad boys are a little too icy for me to pass up. Oh my, I need those jerseys too, man. I've been waiting for them to bring back those pinstripes for twenty years. Actually, you know what? Now twenty years. This is two thousand twenty-two. For 20 years now, I hated that switch over to those new jerseys, but uh, they came to talk Texans and listen to you talk Texans, so let's dive into it. Four coaches recently interviewed for the Texans head coach in vacancy, Jonathan Gannon, Brian Flores, Joe Lombardi, and the wild card when we look at Heinz Ward. What are your thoughts on the search right now? And then the, the, the newest wild card of them all, and I guess maybe Josh McCown, Josh McCown. that's not as big of a wild card as – maybe we might like to think it is, or maybe if you're outside of Houston and don't remember his short stint here in 2020, maybe you think it's a little bit more so outside the box. But I feel like when I saw that, it was like the least surprising thing that that I could have seen because this has kind of become the thing to expect with this team, right? To sort of uh, to to reach for the guys that they feel most comfortable with. And that's certainly what Josh McCown feels like even though he is somebody that's well-regarded and well-respected, highly thought of, and thought to be a guy who, at some point, one way or another, is going to be a head coach or a coach of some sort, offensive coordinator, something. You know, people talk about him in that light. So um, so that doesn't surprise me. But when you look at the, at the rest of the candidates, uh, the thing, I'll say this. 
the thing that I liked about it was that there's only one guy that's for sure with Patriots ties. And I'm not as down on the Patriot. I think I've said this on the, on the show before. I'm not as down on the Patriot way, so to speak, or that mantra, as long as they're getting people that do the job well, as long as it works. I don't really care what your background is, as long as you do it well. But at the same time, John, and I'd love to hear what you think about this, but my biggest hang up, especially with the fact that they've fired the head coach, fired the offensive coordinator, now have an opportunity to go into a whole entirely new direction. My biggest hang up is what is this offense going to look like next year? I, I almost care about that far much more than I specifically care about who the head coach is. I really only so much care about the head coach as far as what it means about the offense. So what I mean by that, Brian Flores is a candidate, probably the top candidate that's been named, right? And, and for sure, one of the top candidates is on the market, period. A little bit of a surprise firing for people, especially outside of Miami, didn't, that didn't know all of the interpersonal stuff that was going on out there. Well, you keep Brian Flores, and this has been said before, I'm sure, but you keep Brian Flores and you're more than likely, that's a defensive coach with a New England bank, uh, background, you're more than likely keeping that same offense, keeping the same New England offense, the same Bill O'Brien, Tim Kelly, George Gotze, Patriot-style offense that has bored the hell out of me for the last seven years going on eight years now. And I'm kind of just sick of it. I, I, like, I don't think it's an offense that can't work as much as just one that I'm tired of watching and that has not worked by and large say for some highlights that has not worked by and large since 2014. So the biggest thing for me in a nutshell is I want to see how flexible Nick Casario is in terms of what type of offensive philosophy he brings in or what type of offensive philosophy is implemented by whoever and with whoever he brings in. I think that's important too, to kind of piggyback off of that because the issue that was, at least how he made it to seem, that was an issue with philosophical differences between uh, David Cully and what Nick Serio wanted. And so now, if that was a, a turning point to where that made you not want to bring him back, now you have the opportunity to start from ground zero and moving forward. That shouldn't be an issue anymore because you're going to go in the direction of not having to bring back Tim Kelly, which you did last year, so that – that's Casario's fault. Not having David Cully just continuously going on with the same offense throughout the year, not making any in-season changes. So you're 100% correct. I'm kind of interested to see what they do moving forward with this offense because when I look at a player like Davis Mills, I think he'd benefit from a West Coast offense. And I think if that's the route that Houston should go in, in my opinion, then you're going to go through this draft and find a running back that can – do a lot of different things out the backfield, but there isn't an excuse on how you want this offense to run anymore because you don't have to deal with an OC and Tim Kelly anymore. Now you can go out and allow your head coach, whether you allow him to do it on his own or you guys work collectively to find an offensive coordinator. I 100% agree. Do you have any favorites right now at head coach? Maybe Brian Flores, Joe Lombardi, who spent a couple of years with the Chargers. What, what, what would you right, do? So, so what I was going to say is that I acknowledge that Brian Flores is the best candidate, especially on paper, and, and it's hard for me to argue against that. The only, you know, my biggest objections to Brian Flores again are the offense that I think that he would bring back. That would be the the same vanilla offense that we've watched for all of these years, 
and the interpersonal stuff that we hear in the reports. I don't know the validity of it. I'm not there, obviously. But when I read it and when I hear it, it reminds me of Bill O'Brien. I know Brian Flores and Bill O'Brien are tight. They're friends. And so it it gives me the impression that these are sort of birds of a feather. I'm not trying to go back to, you know, the defense, basically the defensive version of Bill O'Brien. So I'm a little bit uh, low on the best candidate, which is an odd place for me to be in. Uh, So I'll just say that uh, off top because I acknowledge he's the best candidate. Don't really want him. Uh, But then Joe Lombardi, there are things that intrigue me about uh, Joe Lombardi and, and and we haven't mentioned Kevin O'Connell because that was just reported out there that they requested the interview, but it hasn't been announced anything, at least at the time that you and I are talking, that they interviewed him. But that would be another one if they, in fact, are interested and, in fact, do interview him. Somebody that's been around Sean McVay, I know he's not calling the plays for uh, for the Rams. It's that, you know, Sean McVay really does that. But if he's spending time with Sean McVay and is influenced by Sean McVay and is having – uh, picking his brain, I am interested to know what does that look like. I'm not saying that he's Sean McVay, right? But that young tree, if you will, has so far looked pretty good in the NFL. It's not a guarantee, but it's looked pretty good in the NFL. So if I had to say the, the names that I'm most interested in, it would be it would be Joe Lombardi, just as a just more so as a name and as somebody that's been around Sean Payton and then that worked with uh, Justin Herbert this past year. The last person that Texans hired that worked with Justin Herbert the, the previous year, everybody fell in love with him, wanted him to be their offensive coordinator and couldn't understand why he wasn't the offensive coordinator and why didn't they switch to letting him call the plays? You know, so... Right. so and I, decline I, interviews, I, right? And decline interviews. So so I, I am... I want to say this. I am not the guy normally when there's a, a head coaching vacancy who's like, or I need an offensive coach or I need a defensive coach. Or I need a coach that calls plays. I'm not that guy. But in this particular situation for this particular Texans team, I would prefer an offensive coach and one that is not of the New England mold because that would give me the impression that they might be going in a different direction. You bring in Brian Flores, it's the same offense you've been watching. You bring in Jonathan Gannon, who a lot of people, I don't know, I didn't know as much about until I started looking him up over the last few days. People are high on him. But you bring him in, that gives me the impression that you're more than likely running the same offense with sort of a defensive coach, leader of men, protege type of deal. You know, Josh McCown, I'm not really sure what that offense would look like. That, to me, would also signify that they're probably going to want to run the same thing. So uh, so I'm, I'm very much interested in the offensive coaches and kind of down on the defensive coaches because of the direction I feel like they'll go offensively if they do that. I, I want to also mention that, uh, well, first and foremost, you know, I, I got a reached out to about Jonathan Gannon, and he, he killed it in his interview. The Texans were, you know, thoroughly impressed about how he went about his interview. But I will say that I, I believe if Houston is more inclined to keep Pep Hamilton, who we just mentioned, you know, declined that interview, I am interested to see – what he liked to do because he spent time in Indy with Andrew Luck and he spent time last season with the Chargers. And I think when you play with two quarterbacks of those calibers, uh, the offense that we are used to seeing, especially this previous season in those first four games with Bill O'Brien before he was fired in the 2020 season is very limiting in terms of quarterbacks. 
So with Pep Hamilton, when you play with the likes of Andrew and, and Justin Herbert, now you're kind of, at least in my opinion, now you, you have an offensive coordinator if he chooses to take that route and accept the role if Houston offers it in the first place that may be able to do things on a broader scale because of how the quarterbacks operate in 2020, right? I think this offense has been very limited for the last couple of years because of trying to stuff quarterbacks in this New England Patriot mode. That only works for what they do in the AFC East, not here for the Houston Texans. And I think that's partially why we saw the best version of Deshaun Watson after Bill O'Brien was fired. On the other side of the break, we got to talk about Nick Casario, the press conference, all of the trade options and discussions. So you guys don't go anywhere. Brandon K. Scott, I love having you on. We're going to keep talking Texans. Welcome back in, Locked On Texans listeners and viewers. Again, we are free and available on all major platforms. Be sure to continue to watch us and listen to us throughout the week. Now make sure that you make the Locked On Bets your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Your second listen, Locked On Bets, is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Brandon, Nick Casario has been very noncommittal his first two years as GM, and I'm sure that's been slightly aggravating to you guys in the media that have the opportunity to ask him questions during those press conferences, but what are your thoughts on Casario not backing Mills 100%? Yeah, I'm actually, so full disclosure, I'm not backing Mills 100% either, just from my own personal opinion, so I didn't really blink twice when that happened. I probably should have, though, just as a a news gatherer and a, a, a person that understands headlines and what people want to talk about. I actually that actually did not stand out to me because I thought that was just the sort of the logical answer. As much as I like Davis Mills and as much as he, I would say, surprised me, probably even proved me wrong to a lot to, to a large degree. As much as I was impressed by him, it wasn't to the point to where I don't feel like he could have competition or should have competition of any sort or that they shouldn't try to upgrade at that position if they get the opportunity. I am perfectly comfortable with Davis Mills being the Texans quarterback going into the 2022 season. Perfectly comfortable with it. Not skittish about it. And I would not, I don't think I would have said that if you asked me, hey, put yourself in January 2022, you, you know, if we do this preseason. And, and how do you feel about Davis Mills as the quarterback going into the 2022 season? I probably looked at you like, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I feel, I, look, I feel fine about it now. I'm not bagging on Davis Mills. But it's not like he showed you that he is a for sure franchise quarterback, somebody that you need. Like I know we had on Sports Radio 610, maybe last week or the week before, we had his college coach, David Shaw, on from Stanford, had him on. And, you know, he's basically, you know, rooting for his guy, talking up his guy, saying that the Texans need to build around Davis Mills. Again, I'm fine with him being the starting quarterback going into 2022. I think that it, that a competition for him could be healthy. I'd like to see him win a competition the same way he kind of did this year. Like I I thought the sort of the charming part about Davis Mills was that he wasn't just given the job. I don't think I I thought it was important for him to either earn the job or for the guy in front of him to lose the job. And I think, I think what happened was the guy in front of him lost the job. He was the next guy up and 
he was better than the guy that he replaced. So all good with that. But if you can tell me that there is a quarterback that like, like if you're going to tell me that you're building a team and you know, that quarterback is the most important position on the team, but you don't feel it necessary to go find somebody that you think at, at that position that might be better than Davis Mills. I don't feel like you're trying hard enough. I feel like you can that if you can do better, you should do better. Now, if Davis Mills is your best option at quarterback, we don't have to fret about it. We don't have to we don't have to have a, a long drawn out uh, issue about it. Let's just go ahead and ride with it. But if there are options, if there's a way to get creative to find a franchise quarterback or somebody who you think might be a franchise quarterback or is better than Davis Mills, go get that guy. And I think when I look at Houston's quarterback situation, they're going to move on from Deshaun Watson unless the conspiracy theories become true and this all played out for him to come back. What do you think about Brian those Flores. What you, what you, what you think about those conspiracy theories, man? What do you think about that? Hey, man, so I am a true conspiracy theorist. And in terms of this one, whenever, if it happens, if he decides to come back, we have a show where I am being recorded well, you can physically see me saying, hey, what about the conspiracy of maybe Deshaun Watson comes back next season and all of this is for Houston to just get better throughout the get, – get better cap space, get better draft man. capital. The nerve, I, I just, man. That would be some damn nerve, man. But it, nerve. I also will say that I don't think that's possible. I, I think that uh, not only is his reputation um, scarred right now, Personal-wise, I think football-wise in the city of Houston, the way he did things is just scarred. Now, I do know there's a lot of people who don't give a damn about what's going on off the field. They just want him to play on the field. And I kind of question that as well. Like, you know, well, off the field matters. At least it does to me. But if it does happen, I am one of the first few people. I think I'm the first person to even mention that. But we have it on the show. So if, that, if Deshaun comes back, I would just wonder – you know, how would he be taken? But if he does come back, you do have Davis Mills who can be traded off because hey, the Broncos need a quarterback. I put the I put the percentage at somewhere between zero and one percent. Like it's 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 more it's more than That's zero. That's on a scale of one to ten. That's on a scale of one zero to one hundred. It's more to, it's more than zero just because he's still on the team, and there is that tiny, tiny, tiny possibility. That they can't trade them, and we're we're dealing with a conundrum of okay, we're not gonna cut you and just release you, or you gonna retire? Like what? What do we do? And I think that's the 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 slightest chance. I don't think that that's happening. The the ship has has sailed on that. I think long ago. I think it would be hard to justify on both sides. Honestly, right. more so for Deshaun, but even for Casario to a degree. It would be hard for either of them to justify the fact that he was allowed. Not your guy. Well, no, I mean, the fact that he was allowed to play in 2021 was not suspended or put on the commissioner's exempt list. Okay, and that's its own issue. Okay, that's a whole separate topic. And like, I think a a serious discussion in and of itself of like whether it was even appropriate for him to be available to play. Okay, I think that's its own topic that's that is worth discussing at some point maybe somewhere else. But given that fact, he was allowed to play. He was paid and he was on the active roster and didn't play. I think Deshaun Watson as a competitor, especially if he came back, 
would need to answer for that? Like you needed a one year break or try out? Well, like, how is it that somewhere within the season you didn't like it didn't click for you to try to come back? He'd have to answer for that as a player. And I think Nick Casario would have to answer for it too. all of this talk that I think is a little bit unreasonable, but I get where it's coming from about, hey, why don't you just force him to play? How are you going to pay him ten and a half million dollars to sit on his tail? Make him go out there and play. You know, I, I don't think it's just as simple as that. But if he comes back, that's going to come back up and people are going to logically ask the question, OK, why didn't you just play this guy last year? You know, so I don't I mean, it, it's just and we're, we're talking about it as if it's even a possibility. It's not happening. That that ship has sailed long ago. Right now, it's more about watching how the legal cases play out and then going from there, uh, trying to make that thing happen before the draft. And to swing this back around to Davis Mills, I think he's just done enough to show you that I should at least get some backing from the franchise because, hey, listen, you guys, when you're in your own troubles last season, I was a rookie quarterback thrown into the fire, and I think he fared well. On top yeah. of that, I don't see this being a place destination in terms of bringing in free agents to where, A, Houston can afford a big-time quarterback. B, I don't think that's where they're heading in the direction of right now. I don't see a Russell Wilson one to come here. I don't see a, yeah. a, a, a who else is a, Aaron Rodgers is a, a, you know going to be a free agent this season. So Mills to me is a player that, of course, you bring in a, a replacement for Tyrod Taylor. Quarterback competitions are healthy, but a backing from your general manager that drafted you would have would have been nice. I think. Yeah. So here's the way I look at that though. He's on the team. They're not, the team. they're not cutting him. He's not going nowhere. I mean, the only way they trade him is if Deshaun is coming back or something ridiculous like that. Like, he's on the team and in the mix, firmly planted, I think. And so, like, and, and I don't think it's, there's much of a mystery now, right, that there was going into his rookie year. You feel good about it. So I'm not, I'm, not, I, I'm not really sure how much support that he really needed or required just for the simple fact that he he is here and in the mix really no matter what. Like it would take something drastic to happen for that not to be the case. And then on the other side, I look at it like this, and I, I might get some reaction from this, but an example of a quarterback who is clear, who might not even be a starter, uh, a let's call it a frontline everyday starter, okay? Lost his job to Teddy Bridgewater, but I'm going to throw out a name like Drew Locke. Like somebody of of that ilk who has talent but has not really shown it consistently throughout the league, I think I would not mind seeing them come in here, compete with Davis Mills. And if David, like if Davis Mills can't beat out Drew Locke in an honest competition, then I got questions about Davis Mills, right? And I'm fine with and in that case, if the evaluators say that Drew Locke should be playing over Davis Mills, then I would be fine with that. Cause that to me would say, hey, they think he can be better than those last five games that we saw of Davis Mills or whatever it was that were also promising. So so that's where I'm coming at it from. Like, I I think that it probably would have sounded nice for them to rubber stamp Davis Mills, but I also don't think it was necessary because they already got the guy locked up. Well, unlike unlike with, let's say, like a Tyrod Taylor, who's a free agent, obviously, right? Like Like they asked about him, that would make sense to be, non-committal and and it would make sense for Tyrod Taylor to think oh well they don't want me anymore I guess I'm not going back there but for Davis Mills what are you gonna say hey hey you you got me bro I'll be here yeah and I will say this 
to your hypothetical, I would not want to see Drew Locke in a Houston Texans jersey. I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I'm with you. That would be disgusting to watch. Even that'd, that'd be like almost that'd be above Jeff Driscoll. Oh come on! Wait, 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 that's how bad of a quarterback I think Drew Locke is in the NFL. Of course, Jeff Driscoll is a, you know, Jeff Driscoll, Drew Locke may be ground zero and Jeff Driscoll may be under him in terms Man, of. Man, I've seen Drew Locke. Look, I'm not trying to uh, sell you on Drew Locke, okay? I don't want to misunderstand things, but I've seen him make some throws and make some plays. Like, overall, yeah, his body of work is, is not impressive, but, like, they kicked the Texans tail. Wasn't he the quarterback? Or was that? Oh, yeah, man. wasn't he the quarterback when they beat on the Texans a couple of years ago? I'm just saying. Oh, like a, a, a guy of that ilk. And I'm, it doesn't have to be Drew Locke. That, that was just a name I threw out there. But somebody, Marcus Mariota, who I think Davis Mills is probably better than, right? Especially as a passer, obviously. But I'm saying somebody like that. Come in. If, they, if he can't beat, tell you what, to your point. If Davis Mills can't beat Drew Locke in a competition, in an honest competition, and if Davis Mills can't beat Marcus Mariota in an honest competition, you don't want him anyway. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Like that. that is true. Thank you guys for checking out the Locked On Texas podcast. Before we get out of here, Brandon K. Scott, my brother, where can – and I can't wait to get on the B-Block the podcast, but where can they find everything, Brandon K. Scott? Yeah, man, we got to work out scheduling next week and make sure that we can make that happen and uh, make that happen. But for now, y'all just find me, first of all, on Twitter at Brandon K. Scott. That's where you can get pretty much all the updates on whatever I'm doing, whether that's the B-Block podcast or Sports Radio 610. I'm also basically Sports Radio 610 uh, digital arm. So anything you see on their social media and website, I'm largely either did it or I'm responsible for it in some uh, form or fashion. And then, of course, the B-Block podcast. Make sure y'all subscribe, rate, and review. If you like the Locked On Texans podcast, then the B-Block podcast would be right up your alley. Absolutely. And thank you for checking out the Locked On Texans. Follow us at Locked On Texans on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. And you guys have been doing an amazing job. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page as well. Until we get at you on Monday, peace, be safe, stay warm. Get out this weather. Eat some chili gumbo or etouffee. That's what I'm eating tonight, and I'll holler at y'all next week.